Good morning. Uh, welcome as we come to worship uh, today. We're going to read a few portions of Scripture as we begin. They come from Psalm 130 this morning. It says, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, had kept a record of my sins, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore you are to be feared. So I wait for the Lord and my soul waits. And in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than the watchmen wait for the morning. A psalm that calls us to give our focus towards God. The God who we believe is alive and well this morning and is at work amongst us and is present in our midst. Let's pray as we begin. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity and to set time aside to come to gather to worship you collectively as a disparate a group of individuals coming together with one purpose this morning. We thank you for it and we pray that in this place at this time, your presence would be an inspiration to us as we open your word, as we pray and lay our hearts bare before you and all the elements of being together as a church and as a group of believers. We seek your presence. We wait for you this morning, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our reading this morning is from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. And the section is Jesus taken up into heaven. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going and suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Thank you, Alan. COVID babies built different. That's just, yeah. Uh, let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, may we focus our hearts and minds entirely on you. May you speak to us. May you lead us. May we know the desires of your heart. In your name. Amen. It's lovely being here for a baptism this morning and for us to share as a church family together in that as well, for us to, to have a chance to celebrate this uh, and, and, and share in the promises that we make and in the promises that, that we hear being made before us. And I want to think a little bit about promises this morning because when we make promises, there's really three types of promises that are made. Uh, there's promises that are made that we have every intention of keeping that we make promises and we're going to keep those promises and when, when you stand up and make your wedding vows, I imagine we have every intention of keeping those promises, that those are promises before God that you're going to keep. Uh, sometimes we make promises that we accidentally break. Uh, I promise I'll stop and buy milk on the way home. Uh, Sometimes there's promises we make that we forget about or we accidentally break. And finally, there is the third type of promise, which are ones we have no intention of keeping. In our house, those go somewhere along the lines of, if you go to sleep now, I will give you chocolate in the morning. Um, <laughs> there are promises that are made that potentially might not be kept at any point. Um, now, in our house, there is a, a television show which is on more often than others, uh, and one of the characters, becoming my favorite character on television, is a man called Bandit Wheeler. Some parents might recognize the name, uh, but he's the dad in Bluey. So Bluey is an Australian TV show with a family of four dogs. Uh, and really, it's a, very, it's a very clever TV show because it's a, it's a program written for parents that kids can enjoy. I firmly believe it's written for the parents. Uh, and Sometimes the kids go to bed at night and the TV just is kind of still on in the background and you realize you're watching kids' cartoons. Uh, and, and this happens in life sometimes. But there's one episode of Bluey where they come into promises and they talk about the importance of promises and how it's important we keep our promises. And from that, Patrick, who's four, now realizes promises. When he, when he says, I promise, that means it has to keep. So if he wants me to make sure of something and that it's really going to happen, he says, Dad, say I promise. And then he knows that whatever I say I promise to will really be held on to. Uh, I, I work as a youth worker uh, 30 hours a week in Portadown. The equivalent of that in teenagers is a pinky promise where they lock little fingers and make a pinky promise. Uh, last night we had a young person misbehaving ever so slightly and he pinky promised me that he was telling me the truth uh, and turns out that he wasn't uh, and uh, yeah the, the, the trust was broken in that scenario but promises are an important part of our day-to-day -day culture and life they're an important part of our service here this morning and promises are an important part of our reading we come to the first chapter in Acts and Acts is a fascinating book of the Bible uh, because <laughs> the book of Luke was written by Luke. The book of Mark was written by Mark. The book of Romans was written to the Romans. Uh, and, and the name of the book quite often says a lot. But there is no place called Acts. There is no person called Acts. In this book of the Bible, we hear about the Acts of the Apostles. We hear about the things they did after the life of Jesus. It's written by Luke. So if we think of Luke writing two books, his first is, here's the life of Jesus, 
and then Acts is the life after Jesus. And verse 1, we get a fascinating sentence at the very start. In my former book, Theophilus, this character Theophilus, of who this character is, who is Luke intending this to be read by? And there are two thoughts as to who Theophilus was. We hear about Theophilus twice. We hear about him, first of all, uh, in Luke's, in the Gospel of Luke. And when he writes, he talks about, uh, how does he refer to him? The most excellent Theophilus. The most excellent Theophilus. So Theophilus is one of two people. Firstly, he is a counselor or very important person in the community. And Luke writes to him to convince him of the holiness, of the goodness, of the, the need for this church community. So this is firstly, potentially a book written to a governor protecting the persecuted church, saying, our Christians are being persecuted. Here's the wonderful things. Here are the acts that they are doing. We should be doing more to protect them. Or the second theory is this, that Theophilus is a code name given to the secret church. And that as Luke writes this story, he is writing to the secret church. He is writing to a group of people asking that they understand the code that he is using as he talks to the great Theophilus. He writes to them and he teaches. He writes to a community in a time of persecution, in a time that they are fearing for their lives and in a time when there is an uncertainty for their future after the life of Christ. They come together to study his word. They come together to celebrate the life of Christ. And we are coming on from our harvest season and we are still remembering the persecuted church. As we journey through the book of Acts, we're still thinking of our, of our harvest service with open doors and an awareness that our brothers and sisters in Christ are still facing persecution in many parts of the world today. So whether he is writing to an important person or to a secret person, impacts our understanding of this text. However, in this text, we come across some really important things. The last recorded words of Jesus in Scripture. If you have your Bible, open your Bible or scroll to it or however you have it, uh, and hopefully it might appear around me if I make nice requests. Um, I'm going to go to verse 4, first of all, which says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. And verse 5, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Here we hear this term promise appearing, that in verse 4, it is the gift my father promised to them. They come and they say, this has been offered to us and has been promised and Luke has recalled this account. This isn't happening here and now, but they're reflecting on this. So Luke is saying, this is an important thing to remember. Before we get started into this book, into the story I'm going to explore with you, let's remember a gift that God has promised. Because the gift that God has promised to us is here and is waiting for us. Now the Holy Spirit isn't created at this point. The Holy Spirit has arrived from Genesis chapter 1 at the very start. Uh, we hear about the Holy Spirit hovering over the surface of the waters. Uh, this isn't the creation of the Spirit. This is the Spirit being released in people after the ministry of Christ on earth. 
And after this ministry has come, it is now coming to be released. Just like uh, as scientists discover how to manage atoms or nuclear weapons or how to power electricity, these things aren't created at that point necessarily. They're just discovered into how to harness and use them. And at this time, Luke instructs us that the gifts of the Spirit are being released upon people to harness this power and to use this power for the goodness of the progression of the church. How can we take the Holy Spirit and the gifts promised to us to release and enrich the church? In verse 7, he comes to us and he tells us another really important piece of information. It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes in you. He comes in, I'm 30, and within my lifetime there have been several end-of-the-earth predictions that people have come to me at. And this is not what the Holy Spirit is being released upon us. In 2012, at the end of the Mayan calendar, we were told that this was the end of mankind and humanity would end at this point. Uh, Hollywood made blockbuster movies about it. Apocalypse, the end of the earth that was going to fall apart, all because this Mayan calendar came to an end. And I'm sure that at many points in my lifetime from now, there'll be many other soothsayers predicting when the earth will come to an end. But the scripture here tells us that the Holy Spirit comes upon us not to give us the information of when Christ returns, but rather to be ready for his return. If we're thinking about this as a, a party planning committee, we're not on the committee planning the date of the event, but we're on the welcome committee, there to welcome Christ back whenever he arrives. That it is not our job to be predicting when this will happen, to be trying to guess on a date or time, but ra rather that when it comes that we are the welcome committee, there to welcome him, to welcome heavenly host upon them, and to be a community built like the one instructed upon in Acts. That we are called to use these gifts of the Holy Spirit to build his church. But where do we go to build his church? In verse 8, and this is almost the crux of this passage, this is the last statement given by Christ before he goes up into heaven. You will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes in you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after this, he's taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hides them from his sight. The last words stated by Christ were an instruction to go out to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this instruction, we want to think about again as a promise. So this instruction by Christ, that this promise of where we're to go and how we're to do, then progresses throughout the book of Acts. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn with me, and this won't be on the screen behind us. Uh, in chapter 4, Peter and John then carry on, and in their ministry as they begin to build the church, are brought before the Sanhedrin. They're brought before the council of Jerusalem at the center of Judea to come and be witnesses of Christ in his ministry in Judea. And that, that happens in Acts chapter 4. Then we go to Acts chapter 8. And in Acts chapter 8, they then go, as the church is persecuted and scattered, uh, they then end up in Samaria. 
the second place on that list, that they go to Judea and Samaria, and they then minister in Samaria uh, to many different people, and to a man, Simon the sorcerer, where they have a chance to witness and bear witness and use the gifts of the Spirit in this place. And then we go a little bit further through verse 8, and from, from, um, through chapter 8, and at verse 26, Philip again has a chance to minister to an Ethiopian eunuch who's there exploring scripture, not knowing how to fully understand it. And so it's come and talked to him and brought to him and explained in a way that he can begin to understand it and take it back to where he was going. Now, my geography isn't massively strong. It wasn't my strongest suit at school. But as far as these men were aware, in, from Judea, then slightly further afield to Samaria, to then end up in Ethiopia, for them would have been considered almost the end of the earth. Within their ministry, they brought and this instruction from Christ and lived it out in a way that fulfilled the promises made at the very beginning of Acts chapter 1. Folks, we are called in these scriptures and in the book of Acts as we begin this series looking through Acts to always come back and think about these promises made. There's a reason that Luke included these words of Christ in verse 4. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. We are called to handle this scripture in a way that glorifies God. To know that the early church used it to fulfill the promises made. That Christ makes promises over our lives. And as the promises he makes over our lives, he keeps those promises. For there may be three types of promises that we keep. There may be promises that we break, whether that be on purpose or accidentally. However, the promises that Christ makes, the promises that he makes for our lives, he keeps. He holds on to those promises. As we stand here this morning and we make promises as a church family, as our church family make promises as to how they raise their children, we reflect on the promises that we have made at, at other points in our life to Christ. That we are called not to break these, not to, to hold on to them lightly, to not just pay them lip service as something that we say because there's words on the screen, but rather the promises that we stand and make, the affirmations of our faith we make as a church family, unite us in this building, unite us in this town, and they unite us across the world as our brothers and sisters face persecution. We are united with them. We must remember them, the gifts released upon us and them, and do all that we can, not just in lip service, but to look after our brothers and sisters here on earth. And we finish with verse 11 with a striking statement given by uh, these men in white standing beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Why do you stand looking into the sky? 
the final thing we must reflect upon this morning. Do we stand looking at the sky, seeking Christ, wondering where he is? Or do we realize that he is with us here on earth? That he's with us in our day-to-day lives? That he is a calling and request on our lives? Let us not just stand and pay lip service looking at the sky. Let us be a church body who goes forward in movement to help, to protect, to encourage our brothers and sisters, to feed families who are starving, to clothe those who are naked, to help in the raising of children. How do we do that in a way that serves Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may we know your word. We thank you for the promises you give us. We ask that we may always serve you in the way that we promise to. We thank you for these gifts in our life that we are often undeserving of. Yet we come to you asking to serve in any way that we can, knowing the greatness and power of your word this day and forevermore. Amen. So we finish today uh, with our blessing. May the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.